Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden, and also featuring Megan Runyon, YA superfan, Keith Steigert, Uber Reader and Romance Junkie, Pat Greiner, she has the head of an English major and the heart of a sci-fi nerd. These people are passionate about books, maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. What's Bonnie crocheting crocheting today? Because it looks very phallic. It does look phallic. Corn. It's corn. corn. Close. So close. (laughs) It's corn from, uh, I made a corpaconia. 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 No. Corn. Cornucopia. Cornucopia. I couldn't come up with it either. That was like, hold on. And Echo's like all in. Why are you in my crochet box, baby? That's because you spent two hours detangling your mass of this yarn. morning yeah see my cornucopia I oh th- yeah very nice i think it more, looks yeah. more like radagast's hat but it does look do? like but i like it <laughs> um, i crocheted eight wrenches last week <laughs> wrenches <laughs> wrenches okay like as in you win you the prize for weird your- <laughs> it was a gag gift martha knows that we we do gag gifts oh, yeah. at the end of each production and the guy I drew played the handyman who was also the villain. And he had this line where he talked about, do you know how many wrenches and screwdrivers and paintbrushes I had? And and he was like eight or nine and 34 and 23. <laughs> so I made him a little toolbox and I got 34 tiny little, like like the kind of 30 for two bucks paintbrushes that you can get. Nice. And uh-huh. so 34 of those. And these little tiny, eight little bitty cheap screwdrivers. I needed a ninth one, so I mixed up some vodka and orange juice and put it in a <laughs> glass jar, put that in his toolbox. And then Ron had this set of 15 really cheap wrenches that he was going to throw out anyway. So I needed eight more wrenches. So he loves his cats. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, cro- I found this pattern online to m- make a crocheted tool belt, like for a little toddler and made eight of the wrenches and filled them with catnip from my garden. Oh my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's awesome. I was looking at that gift guide thing that you sent from- From Goop? Goop. Oh from yeah. Goon- oh my God. I mean, talk about gifts for people with more money than brains. Oh. <laughs> that, yeah. Last year they had vibrator necklace. Yeah. You know, little mm. tiny mini vibrator that w- works yes. so you can keep it on you all the it time. It didn't look like a penis, <laughs> though. It looked like a crystal, but still, same. But it same was still thing. a vibrator. Yes. Still for getting yourself off in the company bathroom or whatever. <laughs> Come on now. I was looking for, you know, candles scented like her vagina. Yeah, that or was in whatever. there. That, yeah. was, that was on there. Um, in this year's one? Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. If you go to the section on, hold on. They break it down into different sections. There's a thing for... um, I was on the under $100 section. Shop for lovers. It's the very first thing that comes up. It says, this smells like my vagina candle for $75. Patty the daytime hooker wouldn't charge you that, and you'd get to do more than sniff it. Sex worker. Yes. Oops, sorry. Patty the daytime sex worker. Why did pickleball become such a big thing? 
Oh, pickleball is a huge thing. Pickleball, pickleball huge. is just like a lazy person's here. tennis. Like, is that why? Well, like she's even selling pink tennis balls for 50 bucks because, well, God they're, forbid. They're not actually tennis balls. They're more like a cross between a, they're more like a wiffle ball. Oh. oh, you can buy a crystal whip for three hundred. Yes, I saw that. I saw the crystal whip. There's also wow. a heartthrob vibrator. That... Wait, which part's crystal? I think it's the it end. Like the end where like that. Oh, now here you go. Part. Here you go. This is the perfect gift for the lover in your life. It's an oyster shucking class for $75. I like that she had guests give get give gifts you be quiet you know nothing about this so <laughs> seth rogan made an ashtray set for 98 dollars. that's that's fun i'm not looking at that section i'm looking at the double-sided mini tickler and the uh holy shit that thing's 234 dollars for a fucking feather duster oh you can get id Ooh. cuffs so i'm assuming that means you can engrave them for 59 dollars mm -hmm. this flannel shirt is 400 dollars Bondage harness for $294. You guys, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm missing out on life when I look at the Goop catalog. I'm like, who are these people? You know what, though? <laughs> I almost appreciate this catalog more than I'm so over Oprah and her fucking favorite oh, things. Yeah, yeah I don't look like that half anymore. those things she's never even seen. Yeah. Oh, you can buy the Jugs Jug for $460. Yeah, that one's really Ooh. nice. Big it looks like a porcelain. Picture. I see her using this shit. It's like a porcelain like picture, and it's just like the middle torso. It's got like boobies boots. on it. In the under $100 section, there was a jump rope. $55, but it was a reimagined jump rope. Reimagined? <laughs> a reimagined re yeah. jump rope. my fat for me. Which basically means you take the concept of a jump rope and then you yeah. use it for other things like bondage tools. I mean, if the satin is nice enough on the jump rope, you could put it around your wrists while you're getting funky <laughs> in the bedroom. You could use it as a whip. I mean, I remember using jump ropes in junior high school as a whip. Those ones that have the little plastic sections. You oh. know? I mean, you can do some damage with one of those things. So speaking of people being out of touch with reality and the goop shopping list. Yes. There was a girl on TikTok because where else do I learn things? I always, I didn't know what her actual job was. She just showed up on my TikTok often and she was always like walking dogs or whatever. But I figured she was like, came for money because I was like, there's no way this girl's living in LA on walking dogs. Like, it's just not possible. And she has a nice ass apartment. A couple of weeks ago, she posted and she's like, well, as you guys know, like I'm a sex worker and we're all like, no, we did not. <laughs> like, well, none of us knew that. <laughs> Makes so much sense though. It does. And so then this week, um, we reached the world of like how disconnected with reality this girl is because so apparently she bought tickets to Harry's Halloween concert, Harry Styles' Halloween concert and never got them from who she bought them from, from StubHub or whatever. And so they were like, well, we can't help you because they never sent them to you, even though you paid them. And so she obviously upset, fair. And then the next breath, the next sentence was, I had to spend $10,000 this week to get two tickets to Harry Styles. What the actual You fuck? had to spend? <laughs> you spent 5,000, she got two tickets from two separate like resale sites. Cause she's like, I was there and all my friends and I were going and we were all going together. Like, what else was I supposed to do? I had to buy these two tickets and they were $5,000 a piece. The entire comment section was like, you didn't have to do anything. 
<laughs> like, what the well, fuck you, is wrong with what you? What you should do is you should say, um, can you give me some tips on how to be a sex worker? Because <laughs> well, so that's a, a lot of, of fucking people. money. If she can just blow $10,000. threw that out there. Like, yeah. here's five grand for a pit ticket to Harry Styles. Are you fucking Jesus. insane? Reality check, please, for the rest of us. You know, next time you feel like you just have to spend 10 grand, here's a charity that could use 10 grand. Really? Because how long is that, really? If, if she's a sex worker, she should really appreciate the value of her time. So her average trick would be how long then? Maybe 30 minutes or so? So she gets, yeah. I don't know how much a sex worker makes, but I have, I have no I'm idea. thinking max a thousand bucks. Yeah. You paid five grand for a two and a half hour long concert. Exactly. So, like, so insane. I would think that her value, her sense of value, just based on what she does for a living would, would kind of put up a red flag there i was watching <laughs> maybe, a TikTok maybe it wasn't a portable. cash transaction maybe she worked a barter deal with her professional skills with whoever was giving the uh so she tickets for sale so she and must, then she can value her skills at whatever you know she can pull a total donald trump and say yeah i traded ten thousand dollars worth of professional skills and you know maybe she <laughs> i mean you're not wrong that. On the lips and pushed him out the door of the car yeah which would be about you know kind of comparable to how trump values his other things and compared to you might not be wrong but yeah, i got yeah. the impression yeah. that it was actual cash <laughs> she was not here. specific i have a, a magic vagina so it's worth a lot it's worth a lot <laughs> it's worth a lot all righty then let's move but right. i will be selling a left kidney for taylor swift tickets in, in two weeks so yeah has everyone we'll taken their out. Halloween down? Has everyone put up their Christmas? I don't have any Halloween <laughs> up. Um, and get well, that I, out, that get that idea right out your mouth because it had the turkey deserves his fucking day, Megan. <laughs> he does. Yeah. I don't have Christmas yeah. up yet. I do not start putting Christmas up until the weekend after Thanksgiving. Yep, same, same. I absolutely I, I refuse. Will. We're getting ready to record a new Patreon episode. I think it's, is it next weekend that we're doing that or the weekend after? Weekend after, okay. 19. We're, we're going to be recording a new Patreon episode, which of course goes exclusively to our $10 a month Patreon people, which thank you so much to those of you who are Patreon members. We not only love you, but we're giving you extra perks. We're going to start doing exclusive Patreon member calls. The calls like we used to do during the pandemic only, they're only available to Patreon members. And then we've got our very first monthly theme. Yes. Which is going to be yeah. a Native American theme. Either Native American theme book, Native American author, Native American main character, some connection therein. Yeah, the right? same weekend, nice yeah. 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 And we also have, we're getting close to the end of the year, and that means, of course. End of the year book. Yep. Liz. Yep, so we have to kind of start looking at the list of all the stuff we read and loved throughout the year and curating it into a beautiful wreath that is our Christmas special. <laughs> is that, that I'd from find a necklace I want from Goop. That's it's a Goop necklace. It, it I would it appears, never wear that. It appears to be cute. a gold dinosaur with a diamond eyeball for four for $490. <gasps> They have this smells like my vagina roll on perfume. What? <laughs> oh my what? God. I need vagina in my pit. It's only $45. <laughs> hey, that's cheaper than the candle. But is it, but it's not, it's like her vagina though, right? Like it's Gwyneth Paltrow's. 
If you've smelled one vagina, I mean, really. Yeah. <laughs> Unless, of course, it's infected, in which case, you know, you, you got to have that it. looked at. Yeah. Weird that most people are trying not to smell like a vagina all day. And <laughs> then they're like, what do you have to do to make your pussy rotten? I don't know. Maybe not wash it for a while. Hmm. Um, I heard one story involving sweet potatoes. Co-worker of mine years ago at the radio station had lived formerly, might have been Washington, D.C. It was somewhere where there were a lot of international embassies. And she was at the gynecologist one day and things took longer than, as it turns out, someone had practiced some non-traditional medicine that involved inserting a portion of a sweet potato. Oh my God, did it sprout? <laughs> and, and it kind of went bad, went moldy, went, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That... The moral of the story is if you're gonna use fruits and vegetables as part of oh. your sexual play, please make sure that they're intact when you're finished yeah. with them so that you don't or, have to or go. as medicinal inserts yeah, but yeah. Yeah. either make sure they're complete if, if there are any bits broken off you're going to be sorry yeah <laughs> sweet, sweet, sweet potatoes, potatoes like, I get are not so recommended you know stick with the stick with the cucumbers go with you know yeah don't. it's pretty easy to tell if a cucumber has been compromised <laughs> before you put your cucumber in a compromising position <laughs> probably still smells better than than Gwyneth's <laughs> vagina. <laughs> Bonnie is not crocheting any longer, but she's still quiet. I'm actually looking at my security camera. The wind keeps keeps triggering my security camera in my backyard. Oh, ah. you thought maybe you had a visitor. It's probably one. Well, I have a raccoon that or squirrels, you know. So this was on Phyllis's page this morning. Phyllis is one of our Patreon members. It says, they're gathering information by going through our trash, learning, plotting. Raccoons haven't forgotten that we used to wear them as hats. <laughs> right on, Phyllis. Right on. Yes, that's now Watch good. out for those little fuckers. They're coming <laughs> after they're us. They're so cute with their little raccoon eyes. Honey, what do you have for us? Does your book have raccoons? <laughs> or or any um, awesome. expensive or vagina this. candles? Vagina candles. Are you ready, V? So the book that I have this week was actually one that was sent to us. It's not often we have historical fiction books sent to us, so thank you say, very much. Woo! To Gretchen Koss from Tandon Literary, the book that she sent is Eyes Turn Skyward by Elena Dillon. So this book starts out with Kathy, who's an empty nester. She spent her adult life raising her kids and staying at home while her husband worked, except her husband's been laid off for a couple of years. So financially, they're kind of, things are starting to get tight. So she decides to go back to work. And before her kids were born, she was a nurse. So she goes back into the nursing profession at a doctor's office. And also she lives close to her elderly mother, whose name is Peggy. Peggy has one of those very large personalities. She actually reminds me a lot of my grandma when she was alive. She's not afraid to hurt your feelings by what she says. And she often does hurt people's feelings when really she's just trying to, you know, she's just straightforward, I guess. 
But Peggy also was a stay-at-home mom. Not only was she a stay-at-home mom, she was a military wife. I know that we have some listeners who are military wives, and it's just really difficult for military wives to have a career because they move so much. So a lot of times their life becomes about their husband's job and their kids, if that makes sense. And so it's kind of about her right out of the gate. Peggy falls and hurts her hip, has to be in the hospital and then to rehab. And then Kathy and her brothers who don't live close, all live out of state, kind of have this conversation about whether they should send mom to a home or what, because her house has stairs. And obviously if she had just hurt her hip, she can't navigate the stairs. Plus now she's a fall risk. And so Kathy says, no, no, would she just live with me? Kathy and her mom's relationship is very strained because they're such different people. I think there's a lot of miscommunication when Kathy was growing up. Peggy's not the best person to convey her feelings or talk about herself. And Kathy, I think, tends to be a little bit more sensitive She's like a homebody, like she wants to be a stay-at-home mom. She wants to take the more secure road and not take chances. And her mom, Peggy, is just the opposite. So there's a lot of clash there. And after Peggy moves in, um, Kathy, the daughter, goes and gets the mail and get something about an award ceremony in Washington, D.C. And she's not really sure what that's about. She thinks maybe it's about her dad, but it's addressed to Peggy and not to her dad. So she kind of researches it and everything and finds out that her mom is a part of a program called WASP, which is Women Air Force Service Pilots. So um, Peggy, when she was younger and growing up, she flew crop dusters. So she knew how to fly. She learned how to fly at a very young age, Was had a natural talent for it. And she went into this program because the military was looking for women pilots for things that they needed done state, stateside, like moving the planes, um, training with the planes. This kind of unravels and it talks about It talks about Peggy's experience as a wasp and about the people that she met. It's, um, it's done in two timelines. So it's done in 1944, I believe it was when Peggy was in the program and it was done in 2009 when Peggy is older. I I don't think I'm really giving justice because this is such a very multi-leveled book. This book is a lot about like, um, the relationship between, a mother and a daughter. It's also about the relationship between a husband and a wife, because as you can imagine, with her husband being out of work for so long, his morale is kind of low. And then she goes back to work, which makes him feel worse because he can't provide for his family. And now she's having to do it. It also kind of touches into how both like women who decide to stay home with their children to raise them and military wives 
they kind of lose a part of themselves because everything is wrapped up in their spouses and their children's happiness, that it's hard to take time for yourself. And I could be wrong about that. I'm not a stay-at-home mom, so, but I could, I could see where that would happen. And then also about the WASP program, which is extremely interesting because as you can imagine, women did not get a lot of respect in the workplace. And then you're putting women into planes and instructing sometimes male coworkers or male military men on how to fly these machines when they get no respect. I thought it was interesting that they had, they got a medical leave every month when they were on their menstrual cycle because they thought that the blood was not in their brain enough. It affected their thinking. When they so were on really their period. men should never be flying planes because they only think with one head. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and it's not the one on their shoulders. Shit. Holy shit. Yeah. But the award ceremony was actually a very real thing because these women, they were not considered military. They were considered civilian workers. So even though they put their life on the line and many of them died um, in plane crashes, they did not have any of the benefits and they were not recognized as veterans for their, when they stepped up to their wartime duties. And when the men came home, they were sent home. They were automatically discontinued the, the WASP program and they all basically got fired. Wow. And um, they later recognized that and gave them veteran status. And then in 2009, they did an award ceremony to recognize them and give them all medals for their service. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I actually Googled it and read up on it because, you know, that's what I do. But yeah, it was a really good story. I did some audio and some of the physical book because they sent me the book and then I found it on audio. <laughs> and I would have to say that it was a little bit difficult with the time change in the audio, but not so much in the book. But I know that's something that everyone who does audiobooks kind of struggles with. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was a really good book. I liked it. I would recommend it. There wasn't really any kind of romance in it at all because it's about a married woman and a widowed woman. You know, there's no brown chicken, brown cow. Martha, you won't have to worry about any of that gushy stuff. <laughs> I don't believe there are any animals harmed in the making of this book, <laughs> Keith. So you would probably be okay with it. But yeah, it was, it was really good. Awesome. And again, I'd like to thank Gretchen Koss with Tandem Literary for sending us that book. I really enjoyed it. And that was called Eyes Turn Skyward by Alina Dillon. Okay, Pat. The book I read is called Convenience Store Woman by Sayaka Morata. Apologies if I did anything incorrect with that name, but I think that's at least pretty close. This was a really interesting book. It was very different. Uh, it's a very short book. I did it in audio and it's like three and a half hours. I mean, it's super short. The main character is a woman named Keiko and Keiko works at a Japanese convenience store. Apparently, and I had to look this up because I, it was pretty evident once I started reading the book that what we call a convenience store and what they call a convenience store are not the same thing. Theirs are nicer than ours. They are fancier. They are located like in business districts and 
generally are a, a resource for a quick lunch, for take-home dinners. There's a lot more emphasis on quality food rather than just quick food, although it's quick as well. So slight difference then in, in what our culture calls a convenience store and what they call a convenience store. Still, most people work at a convenience store in Japan as an entry-level job, maybe fresh out of college or maybe while they're still a student and pretty soon move on to some other more respectable, not, not, not that it's not respectable, what's the term I'm looking for? Uh, respected maybe, a more respected position rather than a convenience store clerk. Keiko starts working instead of going to college and 18 years later when she's 36 years old, she is still working for the convenience store. And the book is, it's told from her point of view, it's about finding what's right for you in the world. From the time she was little, Keiko knew that her way of seeing the world was different from everyone else's. One of the examples she gives is that when she was in kindergarten on the playground, two little boys started fighting with each other and someone yelled, break it up, break it up. And so she, to break up the fight, grabbed a shovel that was nearby and clobbered one of them over the head with it and didn't understand why people were upset with her because to her, they said, break it up. And that was the quickest, most efficient way of breaking up the fight. I mean, she's not wrong. It's a real quick way to end the fight. Incapacitate one of them. And she has other examples. And even though it's, it is never discussed in so many words, you get the feeling that maybe Keiko is somewhere on the ASD spectrum. She doesn't understand emotions the way most people feel them. She has a hard time just feeling like she fits in anywhere. But in the convenience store, she feels like she's found a home. And she embraces the whole detailed company manual and loves the fact that, that there is a formula, there are rules for everything from how to display the cold drinks to how you greet customers to what you do in case of an emergency. Everything is spelled out and she really likes that. She also imitates her coworkers. She, as, as they pass through, she'll pick out different ones and learn to dress like them, parrot their expressions, they serve as kind of a manual for her of how to live out in the real world where she just feels mostly adrift and, and uh, foreign to everything. So after her 18 years in the convenience store, Keiko meets a coworker, a guy named Shahira. And Shahira is only briefly a coworker. He gets fired. He's possibly homeless. That's not entirely clear. He's he doesn't really fit in any better than she does, only he's also abrasive and obnoxious about it, where she tends either to be quiet or even a little goofy. They end up living together because neither one of them wants to deal with a relationship. And they both say, well, you know, if we, if we live together, people will think we're having a relationship and life is going to be, you know, be better for both of us. We'll be meeting their expectations to all appearances and we can still live the way we want to. And things go on from there. But it's a it's just a fascinating novel, especially the whole concept of what does society expect of you, which is one of the reasons that I found it interesting is that that is much more regimented, at least judging by this novel, in Japan than it is for us here in the United States. 
it was kind of a little mini window into one slice of Japanese society. And when she moves in, for example, when Keiko moves in with Shahira, her sister and her sister's friends uh, are just delighted. And she goes, you know, they're happier because I seem to be meeting expectations than they ever have been about the fact that I've been working a job that I was happy at for 18 years. It's like, that does, my happiness doesn't really mean anything to them. All they're interested in is, do I give the appearance of meeting expectations? The narrative voice is delightful. She's kind of quirky. She's, she says a lot of stuff that's very funny, but it's very deadpan. And the narrator did a wonderful job. The audio, I'm sorry that I don't have that at my fingertips as to who the audiobook narrator was, but it's just a quirky, delightful little book. I didn't have a lot of expectations one way or the other. I came across it just looking to see what had recently been added to the uh, audiobooks at, the, at our library. And I'm very glad that I picked that one up because it was truly a fun, different, unique read. And that is Convenience Store Woman by Sayaka Murata. You know, I found some of my very favorite reads that way. Just random, just random what's available at the library, what's new. And then all of a sudden, it's like this prize package that you won because it's such a cool book. I should mention, too, it not, again, familiar with much about Japanese culture, but it won the Akutagawa Prize in 2016, which is apparently a very prestigious Japanese literary award, hmm. kind of on a scale with what the what the Pulitzer is for us or... Something like that. That actually sounds uh, really good. I think I'm going to read that. And it was, uh, it's made me curious enough to look and see what other works by her, and there are a few, but not many, uh, avail are available in English because I'm curious to read more of her stuff now. Okay. Keith. I have three cats in my room, which is usually a recipe for disaster. <laughs> keep it's like a tennis <laughs> match. You keep looking back and forth. <laughs> It's very, very nice here. So we have all the windows open. It's probably like 70 out, which hasn't happened in a long time. So all the windows are open. And because of that, all the doors slam shut. So now all, all the cats are stuck in my room and they're all <laughs> like just staring at each other. And at any moment, there could be a big explosion of wills and it'll all turn to dust. But... Well, you just let me know if you need a pause for fury and fur flying. So the book I read this week is called Never Meant to Meet You, and it's by Allie Frank and Asha Humans. And I wanted to thank Jennifer Richards at Over the River Public Relations for sending this to us. Um, she actually sent it a while ago, but um, it came out at the in the first week of October. But it was spooky month, and this is not all spooky. So yeah, yeah. I really liked this book. It's not, um, it has like a romance in it, but that's not like the main vein of the story. Uh, it's mostly a book about two women who form a really interesting and meaningful relationship. Margette has lived in this neighborhood forever. She knows everybody and she's the first person to tell you that she is a gossip and she really wants to know everybody's business. And Noah has been living next door for a little while, but I'm not a huge amount of time and they are not close or anything. But at one point, 
Noah's husband um, dies very suddenly. I think he has a heart attack and dies. So obviously everybody in the in the neighborhood kind of knows about that. And Margette is just kind of curious because, well, first off, Margette is a black woman. Noah is a Jewish woman. And so Margette is a huge, amazing soul food kind of cook. Um, and so her first thought is, you know, funeral equals you need good food and I mean, comforting food, but it's all this weird, she's never been to, to sit Shiva before. So she's not sure exactly what that details. Um, she's very kind of anxious when she goes over cause she brings fried chicken and like, so she's like, that would be totally acceptable, but who the heck knows? I mean, when you're sitting Shiva and one of the things she notices about Shiva is that Noah, the widow, I don't know. She's just kind of off on her own. She's just kind of different. Not to mention all the funny things that happen in this book, just because the two of them are from two different cultures that don't really understand right away what happens. Like, I mean, I wouldn't know what a Shiva is. Uh, I mean, I do know enough not to take the covers off the mirrors, which Marchette does try to do. But I wouldn't stopped. know that either. <laughs> I learned something new just now. I don't know why I know that about the mirrors, but I did know that about the mirrors. The whole book is full of like these kind of gems. But what's really great about this book is that they come by this this friendship really organically. It just so happens to Margette that Margette teaches um, kindergarten at the local school. And Noah has a kindergarten age daughter who, so um, she enters her class and Margette is a single mom. Um, she has a 17 year old boy. And so she's trying to navigate all that. And she lost her husband five years ago, but not to a death. It was the kind of thing where they always had plans. They had these plans of having this big family and Margette was always working so that her ex-husband could go to school, put himself through school. And it was always like, you know, I have to get to this certain point in my career before you can go back and do what you always wanted to do. And before like I take the reins and then we start doing all these things that we've always had planned. And five years ago, he pretty much leaves her for another woman. And she's still, and so even after five years, she is still working through her grief because not only did she lose her husband to another woman, but she lost all these plans. She never wanted to have like a single child. She always wanted to have a whole bunch of kids and she never got to do that. Now she's getting older and she just feels like her life she just kind of feels like she really got the short end of the stick with everything. And it's a really interesting look at the two kinds of losses because Noah, whose husband died very suddenly, seems one of the things that attracts Margette to her is that she seems to take his death much better than she has taken the loss of her husband over the last five years, even though he's still around. And they really just do this amazing look at working through grief, working through infidelity, um, 
and becoming friends, like unlikely, I guess, kind of friends, because they really don't have a lot in common, aside from the fact that they both lost their husbands when they weren't expecting to. Um, there is a, like a little bit of a romance eventually between Margette and another guy, which is really cute to watch, but it's just mostly seeing how these two women that don't, I mean, their kids aren't the same age. They're not from the same walks of life. They haven't gone through the same experiences at all. Noah is like this. She's a pub. I think she works in a publishing house. So, I mean, she wears, so she's like this high class, like working woman who like wears suits every day. It's just really interesting to see them forge this really deep friendship through the things that they don't have in common, I guess is the best way to say that. It's, it's a really fun story. It was written by two women, one of whom is African-American, one of whom is Jewish. So um, it, it reads very authentically in that respect. It's the kind of thing I generally don't read, but I did read a book by these two women that I just thought was hysterical a couple of, re uh, a couple of years ago. So I was really glad that Jennifer brought this our way. But yeah, it was a very fun book. Um, if you need something like that's beaches, but without all the angst and without all the sad, like one of you has to die at the end. Like this was, this was kind of like that. And that again was Never Meant to Meet You by Allie Frank and Asha Humans. That actually sounds really good. It was, it, it was nice. There was no dog dying there was no like no one's gonna get cancer and die at the end uh, like it was just like a really uh, nice story about friendship. moving on from crap stuff that happens in your life well i'm gonna bring the room right on down okay go <laughs> ahead the dog die there's no dog you're safe so if you have listened to this podcast for more than five seconds you know that i'm a huge harry styles fan and a new movie came out this yesterday on Friday on Amazon Prime called My Policeman. And it's also a book. So of course, a year ago when they announced this movie, I immediately had to get on the interwebs because I don't even think it was in print at the time because I had a really hunt for it because like no one had it. So I ordered it like a year ago and was waiting <laughs> till this weekend for this moment. So it's like a really old book? It was first published in 2012. Oh, okay. Um, so I am reviewing My Policeman by Beth Ann Roberts. This book broke my heart. <laughs> I did see the movie. I actually got to see it in theaters because it was released here for a little bit. And I was hopeful that the movie was true to the book. And I will say it is very true to the book. And so we have our three main characters. We have Marin, Tom, and Patrick. Patrick is a museum curator. Tom is a newly minted police officer and Marin is a school teacher and they're in England and Brighton on the coast. So they're on the, they're on the coast and Marin's best friends with Tom's sister. And so she has kind of been around Tom her whole life. And as they've gotten older, all of a sudden she's like, you know, Tom's kind of hot. He's a swimmer. He's got like, you know, he's just built like a swimmer, but he's, you know, and now he's a police officer. So he's got the uniform going for him, like the old Bobby uniforms with the hats, you know, and his sister's kind of like, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't think that, I don't think so. And 
Does Marin listen? No, uh, at all. And so she kind of starts this relationship with Tom and it's, we're set in 1957. That's important to the story. It's 1957. And her and Tom start kind of hanging out because he learned, he's a swimmer. He learns Marin can't swim. So he's like, I'll teach you how to swim. And that's how this relationship friendship starts. So they, they start hanging out and he's like, hey, you know what? I have a friend, Patrick, and he is a curator at the art museum and we should go to the art museum so he can give us a tour. And you're like, okay, this sounds fairly innocent. And then you realize that there's a little more to Patrick and Tom than what society at the time would approve of. Mm. Mm. And basically he's in, Tom and Patrick are in love. And it's not a spoiler. It's not hard to figure out. And as you're going through this story, they're almost like, you're like, oh, these three great friends. Well, when you start the book, Something has clearly happened in this friendship because Tom's not speaking to Patrick and Patrick has had a stroke and has Marin has brought him to recover in their house. But Tom is acts like the room in that house doesn't exist. He walks right by it. He doesn't acknowledge Patrick. You know, something has gone horribly wrong since they were younger in the, in 1957. So you, you're getting these flashbacks of them in 1957 and you're getting Marin's perspective because she's writing down her vision, her memory of what happened because she wants to read it to Patrick because she's trying to make peace with her part in the history that happened. Selfishly or not, you can decide. And then we're also getting flashbacks from Patrick's perspective because Patrick kept journals. I'm guessing he has the journals with him and that's how we're getting these perspectives that maybe Marion's reading them. That's how they played it in the movie that Marion was reading uh, Patrick's journals. Um, and that's how you were getting the flashbacks. And it's really interesting to me about this book is that in theory, Tom is the main character of this book and not one page of this book is told from Tom's perspective. And that blew my mind halfway through. Because I really sat and thought about it. I was like, this is Marion telling her side of the story. Then we're getting Patrick's side of the story. Tom is the middle centerpiece of the story, and he has absolutely no say in either of their memories of what happened. So I thought that was really interesting. Because both sides are talking about their relationship with him. So Tom agrees to sit for a painting of himself that Patrick is going to do. And that is kind of the catalyst of their relationship. And that happens before Marin meets Patrick. But we don't, you, it takes it a little minute to like kind of figure that out. But it becomes pretty obvious fairly quickly that, you know, these two relationships were kind of starting at the same time, that things were happening at the same time. And it's a lot about the struggle because Patrick is very confident in his feelings of being a gay man in 1957 like he knows all the right clubs to go to he knows who to avoid he knows how to not be detected because they can be arrested and thrown in jail and killed in 1957 just for being a gay man or woman whereas tom is like oh like i'm starting to accept this about myself but society says i have to be over here and so it's a lot of his discovery of of himself and he tells patrick I have to marry Marin because I won't get promoted if I don't. Because the chief at the police station basically said to him that, oh, you know, guys, your age should be, and he's only like 22. Like, he's very young. 
um, they're like, guys, your age, you know, you got to get married because you're not going to get a promotion. You don't, you won't do well in this department if you don't get married. So basically all of a sudden Tom's like, Hey, Marin, I'll marry you. And she's of course head over heels. And it's like, Oh my God, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and then she's things start to go awry. And I don't want to give to, I don't want to give spoilers. So it's really hard, but <laughs> there's lots of things that happen. Patrick and Tom go on a trip to Italy together which is really the catalyst for where all the things go wrong. And this little, it's not really a thruple because they're not together as a couple, but in this little threesome group is this trip. And what happens while Tom and Patrick are on the trip, what Marin's feeling about that trip. And it is truly a, this tragic love story between the, these two couples and how things play out and I cried <laughs> when I watched the movie and I cried reading the book and I was, there was a spicy scene that I was so sad because so it's 1957. So they still have like the police boxes, like the TARDIS police boxes. And there's a scene where Patrick gets a little bold and he goes and knocks on Tom's little police box to get himself some midday love And it's not in the movie. <laughs> I was like, why of all the scenes in the movie, like, Cause he just walks up and Tom's like, oh shit. Like, no, I can't be seen. And he's like, and he, they're looking around to make sure like no one's there. And then um, Patrick kind of like pushes them into the police box and starts like unbuttoning his jacket. And it was so, it, I was like, why, why did we not get this scene? Why did we not get the love scene in the police box? Because I feel like we were robbed of it, but I loved the book. I was not disappointed in it. I thought, I thought it was really well written there is a great debate happening on TikTok on if Marin is a victim or if a beard. Well, yes, definitely a beard. She's, she's definitely a beard, and honestly, she's and people are like, "Oh, she was just a victim of her time," and I'm like, "No, like, bitch was scheming. <laughs> like, she's really to blame for a lot of what happens to this this group of people." Um, I wouldn't say she was a victim of her time. I'd say she was jealous as hell and heartbroken i would not necessarily say she was a victim of her time that some people are trying to say she is um the movie is also fantastic harry styles plays tom emma and i can't think of her last name plays um Marin, and then uh, a gentleman named david plays patrick and what i liked about it was that it didn't feel like you know, when you watch a celebrity who's like trying to be an actor, but they're not at all an actor. And you're like, oh, I feel like I'm watching this person try to act. Never once did I feel like I was watching quote unquote Harry Styles try to act. Like I was so absorbed in the story that it was just amazing. So if you've seen the movie and you're like, oh, do I want to read the book? The answer is yes, you do. <laughs> you want to read this book. It was very good and very accurate. Very, very accurate. I didn't other than taking away my spicy police box scene, I didn't feel like it, you know, just totally destroyed the book or the book was a thousand times better. I felt so good about both of them. I highly recommend this book. And it would not have been what I would have ever read on my own. I like would never have walked across this in the bookstore and been like, oh yeah, that sounds great. Um, <laughs> plus, honestly, the cover would not have grabbed my attention. It's very like, yeah, okay. It's the, the original cover. The new cover has Harry Styles on it. So if you want the movie cover with your man Harry Styles on it, there you go. Uh, the original cover is like the Brighton Pier and looks very kind of basic. I probably would not have picked it up. So good. I don't want to give any spoilers, so I have to stop talking, but I could literally talk about this book for hours because it was that good. 
um, and intriguing and just shows kind of the lengths people will go to for love one way or the other, good, bad, or in, or ugly. Um, bring the tissues when you read your book. It, I was sobbing <laughs> both times. Like I got to the end of the book this morning because I was like, I got to finish it. And I was like, I'm still so sad <laughs> about this ending of this story. Uh, and that was My Policeman by Beth Ann Roberts. And it is so good. So go, go read it. Go watch it. Go. I'm probably going to rewatch the movie now that it's on Prime because I can. Awesome. Okay. Uh, first, I better explain that the reason that I picked up this book is because of my love of A.J. Fickery. Because this oh, book AJ is Fickery. called... Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. I probably almost read this about five times. And every time I looked at the description, I'm like, this does not look like an enjoyable read to me. I do not want to read this. I didn't. Okay, fine. I'll read it. And that's basically how I got into this mess in the first place. So the story is, it starts out in a children's hospital. And the main characters, Sadie Green and Sam Mazur, are both at the hospital. He's at the hospital because there was a car accident and his foot was completely pulverized. And so he has to have all these surgeries to try to reconstruct his foot. And Sadie is there with her sister who has cancer. And so she, they're 10, 11, maybe. I don't remember ex their exact ages, but they're fairly young. And they meet at the hospital in the video game room. And he's playing a video game and she's bored because she's just, basically her parents have stopped paying attention to her because the sister's very ill and, you know, all of the attention is, is on the sister. So they're, they don't really want, care what she does as long as she's still in the hospital. So she goes and she meets Sam. And they, they just, they're, they become friends in a way that is just so natural. It's like breathing. When you, when you meet somebody that you click with like that, it's just natural. And they immediately fall into this great friendship and they spend most of the day together playing video games. And then... The hospital calls and they, she thinks she's in trouble because she was in this video game room and she's not a patient. So she's all freaked out. Turns out that Sam hasn't spoken at all to anyone since the accident happened. So the fact that he spoke, not only spoke to her, but spent the day like doing normal things with her, they ask her if she would be willing to come back. So she ends up kind of, she, she goes back and forth to the hospital a lot and her grandmother suggests that she use these trips to the hospital as, I think she had been there several times before she makes the suggestion that she used this as a community service for her bat mitzvah. So she, she goes, okay, might as well. I'm going to go to the hospital anyway. And, and she spends 600 hours with Sam at the hospital. And Basically, what happens is that he finds out that it was community service for her because somebody says something about her timesheet or something. And so he calls her up at home and says, what's, you know, what, the, what is this? 
So she has to fess up. And he basically says, okay, fuck off. I don't need that kind of friend. So they don't speak again until years later, he gets off the, off the subway. He's a junior at Harvard. And all of a sudden, he spots her in the city. And then, of course, he can't get her out of his head. So he finds where she is and he goes to see her. Well, she has just had this horrible, horrible breakup. And she is basically comatose in her bed and hasn't gotten up, hasn't basically has just slept and done nothing else. And she's just wrecked. And he basically just digs in, comes back every day, brings her a little something, you know, just become, just behaves like a friend would do. Well, that's kind of where this, the real story begins because Sam kind of has in his head when he goes to see her that he wants them to make a video game together because I guess they, he kind of finds out what she does for a living and he's kind of doing similar things and they have a shared love of programming language and that sort of thing anyway from when they were younger so that's kind of where his head is at when he goes to see her and as a result of their rekindled friendship they decide that they're going to build a game together so they embark on this grand adventure of creating this perfect video game which they end up actually doing. And his friend from college that is basically, he, he's one of those guys that, you know, just doesn't make friends very easily. But his college roommate is, is so protective of him. And so he's such a nice guy. You know, that's the impression that you get of him all the time. And they kind of describe him as this really super good looking guy. He's an actor in college and whatnot and he, he and Sam have a great friendship together well when he hears about this thing with Sadie his roommate offers them this really great apartment because he has to go out of town for the summer to do something else so he's like you guys just live here make your game and then I'll come back later so they they basically do all of that work while they're living in his apartment and Sam is real reluctant for you know right away that Sam even though he doesn't have romantic notions at all in fact there's hardly any mention of it the whole time usually you would think if they were young people that there would be kind of that thing but there really just doesn't seem to be and neither of them ever really pursues anything they're just friends strictly friends and shit I can't remember the roommate's name but anyway, he's still very reluctant for them to meet because he knows that his roommate is going to like her. And as soon as they meet, one of the first things that the guy says is, oh, do you care if I date her? And he's like, no, you can't date her because we're all working on this project together because the roommate then gets in on all of the work that they're doing. And basically, the three of them form a company to make video games. On Goodreads, I went back, of course, after, like I always do, to look and see what everybody else thought of it. And I, I noticed that, that it's either two stars or five because people's objection to it is that it's too long and it, it takes too long for, for the action to happen. And really, there isn't 
action per se. It's just the story of this weird friendship because they sort of take turns hating each other throughout the years for different reasons. And I mean, there's some horrible things that happen. And this is not the book for me normally because of all the sad shit that happens in it where I wanted to throw my phone across the room. I do not like sad books. So yes, there's sad shit in it. Don't blame me for that. But I loved the friendship between Sam and Sadie, even though it was a very, like I said, they they took turns hating each other for stupid reasons over the years. And... There really wasn't any bow at the end. It was almost like, you know, because it's not, oh, they get together or they're friends forever or whatever at the end. It's not like that at all. It's just really an amazingly real look at friendship. Something I just didn't think I needed in my life because I have great friends. And most of my friends that I have kept over time I've kept because they're great friends. I don't need to fight and break up with my friends. (laughs) But um, that's sort of what this was like. It was like just dumb, stupid misunderstandings between friends and they break up and then they make up and then they break up. But yet it's such a relatable story because sometimes friendships are more powerful in our lives than the romantic relationships that we have so for that reason I absolutely fucking love this book please don't ask me to read it again though because it was just too too much for me um and that was called tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin I kept coming across that book too in different and and I would read the the description of of it and the description made it sound like it was intensely about the video game industry well, which it, was what put me off it. Well, you know what? You and, get that to an extent. And if you have an understanding of video games, or, you know, I'm not a video game maker. I've seen video games played. I can really appreciate great graphics and what goes into making a product like that. So I have that knowledge. But it really didn't, the video game stuff didn't really put me off, though, oddly enough. Uh, yeah. But did you know there is a video game associated with the book really uh, which was the first thing that i ran into i found it through a newsletter from uh, a woman who writes advice for would-be authors and i am is it is she go is that the, what is she go is that the no emily blaster it is oh yes video game based on the poetry of emily dickinson yes they talk about that (laughs) and that's one of the games that they that she makes as part of her training in college Mm. and then he shares it with his friends and they play it and it's hilarious because they're talking about you know how Mm. unlikely a thing this is and how they're how much they're enjoying it but i had no idea that is so cool I wasted an hour or two playing it because it it gives you an Emily Dickinson poem and then it gives you the uh, it gives you the words one at a time they appear and you have to shoot them but you have to shoot them in the order that they are in in the poem. So oh my god, that's hilarious! I didn't like I, think, I said I didn't even really I didn't prepare to read the book. I just sort of dove in because of AJ Fickery. Uh, if it's possible, I think we ought to share the link to that game on our pod notes. 
from, it's from Gabrielle Zevin's website, gabriellezevin.com slash Emily Blaster Game. That is so cool. Now I'm going to have to go look at it, even though I don't know the I don't know the words to the poems, but. Well, and you don't, they, they give them to you first. They give you the whole poem, but oh. you have to kind of remember it. I see. Okay. <laughs> Then they show you the poem as in the order that you shot the words. And sometimes that's pretty amusing, too. (laughs) I love the descriptions of the way they were making the games, too, because they talk about what each person's role, you know, what they talk about, like after they finish, you know, what's popular with people and what isn't. And it was just really interesting. There were so many things about the book that made it just such a rich book. I felt I felt bereft when I finished it. Just because I, I wanted to be I wanted to know more about what was gonna happen. I'm not much for the sequel. I'm not I'm not one of those people that usually looks for the sequel. I wouldn't probably want a sequel. Just because I like the fact that it ended the way it did. But at the same time, it, it just really did have that richness and fullness where I'm listening to the audio version of it, but yet I can see the graphics because it was really that good. You and everybody else, because yeah. that is like the most popular book of the year, which is why I haven't read it yet, because I don't do that. Yeah, well, I don't either, but, <laughs> but, I, but because I loved A.J. Fickery and because we chose that as a buddy yeah, I almost read it because of that and yeah. then everybody started talking about how I hadn't heard anybody talking about it until I looked at Goodreads when I was finished I purposely ignored all that shit I didn't want to know I'm already gonna say that it's gonna be like Goodreads win of the year it would be the most ridiculous expensive gift that you can think of uh, I wear size floor seats to Taylor Swift's era's tour I'm just saying. Is that um, a size F for front row? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Front row would be stellar. Uh, uh, Megan, I don't know what kind of connections you have, but just amongst us, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, if you win that lottery tonight, though. Yeah, I got Yeah. If we win it, we're going on the road, girls. Dude, my husband and I have multiple conversations about, I don't like winning the lottery. I don't want to win more than $200,000 at a time because I feel like any more than that, all the crazy people come out of the woodwork. Your life sucks. You forget how much you have to pay in taxes. It all sucks. Everybody dies at the end. You can just do the, um, I think I saw that series that was called lost. Oh, the things we could do with $1.6 billion. Yep. That in my evil, Dr. Evil voice. <laughs> did any of you actually buy them besides Martha? No. I bought some. Bonnie did. My mom and dad did. There was a line when I went. I better get my, here. speaking of which, I better get my ass to the on cue. Yeah, you So that better. I can stop the bragging and start the winning. Praying? Start, yeah. the, start the wishing? <laughs> yeah. I got my numbers. Yeah, the, I picked them. I picked my numbers. Last yeah. three tickets, I didn't win anything. <laughs> I got like one number out of five lines. I got $12 last time. No, that was the time before. Last time I didn't get anything either. 
it's a no win. shot if you don't yep. play. You miss you all. You can't win if you don't play. You miss <laughs> all the shots you don't take. Yep. And that's me saying I got to get my ass in the car and buy my tickets now. And that's going right, to do it for Three Book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.